When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This is the Decibel Gamer Podcast with Chris Sinzak and Aaron Camaro. All right, here we are once again bringing it to you. All the things you got to know about the world around you. It's time for the Decibel Geek Podcast presents geek wire all the latest and greatest happenings in the world of hard rock and heavy metal music and who better to bring it to you than your boys that's right us i'm aaron camaro joined as always by chris sinzak who's bringing the news how you doing brother pretty good it's just a rainy day here in uh, nashville you know i don't i don't mind it so much i don't mind it i i like the rain i can't stop the rain <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> Here it comes again. Hey, I got a question for you. Before we get this all kicked off, mm-hmm. what is your experience with pre-ordering stuff? As far as like al- albums? Yes, like new music. Because I'm going through a little bit of a thing right now. A while back, I'd ordered the brand new Enough's Enough CD, and I pre-ordered it. And then it showed up like a couple of days before actual release. And I thought, that's freaking awesome. And then just last week, I pre-ordered the new Queens of the Stone Age. I waited a little late. It was on the 14th. It was coming out on the 16th. I pre-ordered it. And it still is not here. And I don't understand. Mm. You know, I was all excited because I thought if you pre-order it, you might get it a couple days early. Is that normal or was Enough's Enough and Frontiers, was that out of the norm? It's out of the norm to usually get it before release day. Usually it's right on release day in my experience, but I don't, I'm not a, I don't do a ton of pre-ordering. It has to be something I'm super stoked about. So, um, yeah. And of course, if you order from Kiss, then you never know when you're going to fucking get anything. Yeah. Yeah. Shit. I guess Enough's Enough spoiled me. <laughs> Here I was all excited, thinking I was going to get it a couple of days earlier. And in the meantime, I'm watching everybody talk about this album online, and I don't have it, and I'm waiting on it. And it bummed me out because I was excited to hear it. You know, when you expect something on a certain time, or at least hoping for it at a certain time, and then it don't show up, then it's a bummer, even though you maybe set yourself up for it. I can safely tell you that it sounds like Queens of the Stone Age. 
Yeah, and that's the funny thing because when I because when I ordered it, I was like, you know what, I might as well just join the Queens of the Stone Age group and see what everybody's going to say about it. And so I did, and man, divisive! Like it is torn apart this group. Like from what I understand, this was a place where people just gathered to share their love for Queens of the Stone Age, and now this new album came out, and it's like civil war in there. It's crazy. Really? To me, it it sounds like the last few records they've put out. I don't really hear anything that different that would piss people off. Yeah, I wouldn't freaking know because I'm still waiting. I came home today, like I've been doing the last couple of days, except for on the Juneteenth. I knew the mail wasn't running that day. And every day I run to the mailbox, there ain't nothing there. I don't know. I, I haven't, I haven't, I don't, the only thing I've got pre-ordered now is an album that we're going to talk about later in the show. All right. So I guess that was just, uh, that's the news. I wanted to know what the hell is up with pre-ordering. Let us know in the comments what your experience is with pre-ordering albums. Yeah. Cause I'd like to know, you know, what should I expect when I'm doing this? I'm usually a slacker myself and end up ordering a bunch of CDs at the end of the year when we're doing our year in review homework and then going, oh man, I meant to buy that. Oh shit, I meant to buy that too. Yeah, that, that works about the same for me too. Hey, better than them fucking King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizards. Yeah, for real. I'm a little pissed off at them too right now. What'd they do? They don't even make CDs anymore. Oh, it's all vinyl, huh? It's all vinyl now. Vinyl and digital download, and that's it. (laughs) I didn't realize it. I was going to order the new King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. It's called Petro Dragon Apocalypse. It's, It's something crazy. But it's supposed to be another one of their metal CDs. And so I was excited about it. The Mooger Fooger told me he heard it, and it was awesome. And I go, shit, yeah, I'm going to order that on CD. And I'm looking for it, and I can't find it anywhere. Come to realize, they haven't released a CD probably in two years. Wow. I had no idea. What the hell is this world coming to? I still say within the next five years, the CD revolution is going to take over, and it's gonna, everyone's going to go back to buying CDs, because vinyls are going to get priced out of the market. Well, I just want to say this to King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, because I know you guys are listening. By not releasing CDs, you're automatically disqualifying yourselves from making the top 10 Decibel Geek albums of the year at the end of the year, just so you know. Yeah, you, you just lost yourself a sale. That's right. I mean, seriously, <laughs> legitimately, I was going to order it. I was going to give you my money, but you don't have the product that... I prefer, so, well, what can you do? All right, so, you know, that's that's the news according to me. What do you got? Well, have you ever wondered what famous rock stars had for their last meal? Hmm. No, I guess I've never really thought about that before. Well, wonder no more, even though you weren't. Uh, Loudwire has put out an article about last meals of famous rock stars. And there was a few that kind of stuck out to me that are kind of interesting. Um, Sid Vicious's last meal before he died uh, in February 1979 was a hybrid version of spaghetti bolognese. And uh, present at his final meal was Jerry Only from the Misfits. Did you know that? No, I did not. 
Yeah, he said uh, Sid had just gotten out of jail, and his uh, mother had made him dinner the night he got out and talked about doing great things. So he's like in a really good mood. And he says he was on and on about the things he wanted to do. Meanwhile, he was shooting dope all night and overdosed twice while I was there. And, of course, he died later that night. But spaghetti was the last thing Sid Vicious had. Wow. That's awful. You know, your last meal is something your mom cooks for you right before you overdose on heroin. That's shitty. Jimi Hendrix's last meal was a tuna fish sandwich that was prepared by his girlfriend. Huh. I guess you really just don't think about these things. This is the one that everyone wanted to know. Do you know what Elvis's last meal was? Uh, Was it a peanut butter and bacon sandwich with bananas on it? It was about as bad as that. (laughs) Uh, Four scoops of ice cream and six chocolate chip cookies was the last thing Elvis ate. Yeah, well, I guess... uh, we can't all be John and Twistle. <laughs> yeah, he went the opposite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that don't surprise me too much, though, I suppose. Living like a king. Richie Sambora has uh, straightened out, although he's kind of the reason for this rumor. He's saying he's not even close to rejoining Bon Jovi and uh, said that no one has asked him yet, even though in an interview a year ago he said, we've been talking about doing it, and it'll happen. So who knows what's the truth? Well, that's weird. Yeah, if he said a year ago that it was, I'm going back to Bon Jovi, I remember talking about that. Mm -hmm. Like, even more recently than that, I think we've been talking about it. Yeah. And I was wondering, I guess, you know, because I never heard anything more about it. That's kind of weird. He must piss somebody off. Well, if he doesn't go back, I, I got to ask who's going to sing. <laughs> yeah, right. What's the point? Yeah. Jumping on a sinking ship. Uh, a really cool kiss related story that happened in the past week was Adam Baum, who, if you don't know, uh, was a member of. I think it was a band called SST in the eighties. Also, you know, solo artist for years. He's really kind of a rock and roll gypsy. He goes all over the yeah. world and just plays any club that'll have him. And uh, never really made it big, but has been associated with a lot of stuff. Also recorded with uh, Black and Blue because he grew up with Tommy Thayer. Uh, showed up at the Czech Republic for Kiss's show, and with his bassist and drummer, and got Tommy got him in, and while they were doing the sound check stuff, and. Adam uh, grabbed the guitar or Tommy gave him the guitar and he started playing firehouse real quick and <laughs> on the stage. Nice. And, uh, it was just really heartening to watch. Cause he was, you could tell he was just having a blast doing it. And, uh, and Tommy was, you know, you could tell there were, there were paid people in the, in the audience that were, Tommy was worried about either annoying them or pissing off his bosses, obviously. And he was joking around with Adam going, Hey, you're going to take my job and blah, blah, blah. Let me go ahead and take that back now. But, the th- the funny thing is is like I don't like the Tommy wearing the the spaceman makeup and Eric wearing the cat makeup, but at the same time everyone blew this way out of proportion online about like oh Tommy's threatened by Adam Bomb and he you know uh, he's worried he's gonna lose his job and it's like give me a break. Yeah, that's kind of dumb. If that was the case, Tommy would have never handed over the guitar to begin with, or let anybody near it ever. Yeah, like they're childhood friends. They've known each other like 40 years. I mean, Tommy Thayer actually is the person who named Adam Adam Bomb. 
So really? I mean, like, it, I don't think there's any threat of him losing his job. Plus, he's got how many months left to, to do the job? Right. Yeah. <laughs> you get fired the week before, so you lose your Social Security. <laughs> right. <laughs> or your pension, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Damn. But uh, I I own Adam's one of Adam's books, uh, which is called Nine One One is Disconnected. So this is rock and roll, and and it just he's an an incredible storyteller, and uh, really has a, he he's just a real rock and roll guy. And and people that complained or or that critiqued it rightfully, he definitely has more of a, a ace type swagger uh, than Tommy does. So I'll definitely give him that. And Adam Bomb's got some cool stuff on his own, and he's got a discography like a mile long. I got it all on my CD hunt list, and I don't never find it ever anywhere. Yeah, I've actually got a sealed vinyl that I picked up uh, from Jeremy Asbrock when he did his uh, auction thing. Nice. That's cool. But he was, uh, no, he's he seems like a great guy. I've followed him for years. He actually put a video out of... Uh, he did like a satire of ACDC's TNT and he changed the name to THC. <laughs> the whole song's about smoking weed. It's great. Oh, man. I'm going to have to check that out. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and I saw that Kiss announced that they're uh, bringing the end of the road tour up to a little town in Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. They're playing in Crandon. At the Speedway. There's a famous Speedway up there in Crandon, Wisconsin, and Kiss is playing there, and, man, people are excited about it. Like you said, whether you like it or don't, you know what Kiss is up to nowadays and how they're doing it and all of that, there's no doubt that they're still, when they go to a place like that, people get excited. You know, they're not going to Milwaukee or Chicago or the Twin Cities they're playing in Crandon at the Speedway. I mean, that's actually pretty damn cool. Yeah. Uh, can I can I make a guess as to how the meeting went when this show was decided on? Uh, I'd love to hear it. Gene and Paul are sitting around and they're like, "All right, we've we've played every major city four times on this tour. Where else, where are we not? <laughs> Crandon, Wisconsin. Where? Crandon, Wisconsin. Okay, they got it. a Speedway. Okay, let's go. <laughs> that's funny." I mean, it is what it is, but when you when they're doing something like that, the people that live in those areas, it's almost like going to Australia. You know, <laughs> where I don't even where is Crandon, Wisconsin? I have no idea. It's kind of in the central part of the state, a little southern, a little southern part. You know, I think I remember going there once as a kid to the to the races. My parents took us one time, and it was crazy. It was awesome. It was a good time, and. Yeah, otherwise, I don't really know. I think that's probably the only time I've ever been there. Hmm. I've never even heard of it. At first, I thought it was they were talking about Kadat, because Kadat, Wisconsin, right. does the Rock Fest, and they've got Godsmack and Slipknot and all kinds of bands coming to it. And I, so I thought Kiss had jumped onto that, but then I realized they're playing the Speedway. Which <laughs> is pretty cool, you know? everybody's Everybody from back home is like, Kiss is coming, you know. It's like, all right, awesome. Go have a good time. Did you hear there's a new Aerosmith album coming out? No. No, I did not hear this. Well, it's actually a Greatest Hits collection. Oh, jeez, man. How many Greatest Hits albums does Aerosmith have? I mean, they got to be rivaling Kiss at this point, huh? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I posted about it on Facebook, or I just shared the link to it on Facebook, just because I knew, I, I was just waiting for the comments section. And I think the vast majority of the comments were, don't they have more greatest hits collections than they do actual studio albums? Hey, it's got to be close. It's got to be close. Yeah. I bet. Yeah, I don't know what the market is for this, other than let's cash in on this last tour, because if you're dropping $700 to see them live, you've got money for a greatest hits collection. Yeah, jeez, Aerosmith, man. You scared me there for a second when you told me they were coming out with a new album because it made me think back to the last new album they came out with. (laughs) Here's what Aerosmith needs to know because much like King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, I know you're listening. I want to tell you, Aerosmith, if you put them on the scale of awesomeness, Kiss's last album, Monster, was a better way to go out than your last album, Songs from Another Dimension. Yeah. You're going to let Kiss top you? Why can't Aerosmith come back and be like, let's do a hard rock album on our way out the door? Let's listen to nothing but rocks and then go into the studio and write some songs like that. Yeah, well, I actually, another story I didn't even include on today's list was Joe Perry saying in an interview, no interest in doing a new album, just want to tour as much as I can. They can't be happy with how that album turned out, can they? Do they think it was a great way to go out? I don't know. The sad truth I'm learning about some of our favorite artists is by this point in their life, they don't really care. Yeah, I guess. You know, hey, release greatest hits. You know, make some deluxe versions of it. Make some, you know, triple thick vinyl. Yeah. I mean, I guess if I'm Joe Perry and I'm at that age and I've done everything, I'd probably be like that too i'd be like you know what you have toys in the attic and rocks go listen to them did you hear what happened the last time we tried to go into the studio you want us to try to do that shit again forget it (laughs) it doesn't work anymore don't you know we don't need three ballads per album i think there's more than that dang i was trying to be generous (laughs) damn it aerosmith Um, Andy Scott from The Suite uh, had an interesting quote this week that uh, I don't know anyone else that knew this. Maybe they did. Um, Ronnie James Dio almost became the singer for The Suite in 1979. Did you hear about this? What? Yep. That's crazy. He says uh, his quote, uh, he did an interview with Rock History Music. He said, people have said to me that moment when Brian Connolly, who left the band, uh, we were starting to pick the bones out of the record that we sh- that should have that he should have been on the Cut Above the Rest album, which that's not a great record. Where we ended up being a three piece band, which is why it wasn't a good record. Uh, he says, and Ronnie James Dio was up for the gig to replace Brian because he and I got on really well, and I'd already made the decision for everybody. I said, look, this is not a decision that I'm going to make or two of us are going to make. It's the three of us or nothing. If the three of us don't agree that this is the right way to go. And he said Steve Priest didn't want to do it. And he said, so we just did it as a three-piece instead. But that's how close Ronnie James Zio came to becoming the singer for the suite and then not becoming Sabbath singer. In 79? 1979. Wow. Man, that's wild. That is wild. I'm trying to picture Ronnie James Dio singing Love is Like Oxygen. I mean, he could have done it. It probably would have been even cooler. It just would have been a weird fit, though. Imagine Ronnie James Dio singing Ballroom Blitz. 
or Fox on the Run. Wow. I bet he would actually kick ass on Fox on the Run. You know, at first it sounds weird, but when you start really breaking it down, it's like Ronnie James Dio can make anything sound even better than it ever otherwise could have been. Like, you can never lose by having Ronnie James Dio as a part of the equation. Right. It's amazing. It's amazing to think what could have been. Yeah, I had never heard that before. I wonder if anybody else had. No, I never knew that. That's wild. And then he'd never join Sabbath. Man, the butterfly effect would be catastrophic, possibly. There's something to ponder. Like, who would have been Ozzy's replacement if, if, say, Dio had just taken a different job? I wonder who would have been up for the gig. Well, you'd really have to look at who was available at that time. You know, his go-to guy would have been Ian Gillen. But he was, I got it, man. Well, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I guess you'd really have to look at see who was available at the time. Glenn Hughes? Who knows? Well, he did it later. Yeah, um, that's what I'm saying. You could stay in the same uh, Blackmore family and have a Graham Bonnet. Boy, that would have been weird. Sabbath with Graham Bonnet. I don't know, his voice would have worked for those songs, I think. Yeah, I suppose so. Man, it's wild to think what could have been. Yeah. Um, another what could have been moment that uh, got talked about recently was Phil Collin from Def Leppard talking about uh, why Adrian Smith from Iron Maiden didn't land the gig to replace Steve Clark. I saw that, man. That kind of blew my mind, too, and thought, man, what could have been? I don't think, I mean, clearly doesn't it come down to guitar ability because Adrian Smith and Vivian Campbell are both outstanding guitar players each in their own way Mm -hmm. i think probably what it comes down to is adrian smith would have brought too much of his own flavor into def leppard as opposed to vivian coming in and doing what he's supposed what they're asking of him i think adrian would have pushed back a little bit more on some of that stuff I think you're 100% right, and it was him and John Sykes was also up for the gig, and that's another case of there's no way John Sykes would have listened to anything they wanted him to do. Now, that would have been a reality TV show. I mean, that could be a reality TV show anywhere, just called John Sykes Joins the Band. Or you could have Adrian Smith and John Sykes joining Def Leppard, and you could do a show called Def Leppard Survivor and be like, how long will it take before the members of this band murder each other? Right, yeah, insane. Man, I kind of wish Adrian Smith would have got the gig. Yeah, well, I mean, Vivian was good little soldier. Uh, after he what he went through with Coverdale, probably was like, all right, I'm just going to fall back and, and do what I'm told and collect a giant check. You mean Dio, right? Well, he, but he was in Dio, but he also was in Whitesnake, too. Yeah, but he had more trouble with Dio, I thought. Well, he did. He had a lot of trouble, but, also, but he went from Dio to Coverdale, another, you know, egomaniacal guy, and... And covered it. That's why he didn't last long in White Snake either, because he did. He he just, you know, domineering frontman. Which I guess Joe Elliott, Joe Elliott must have a uh, a gentler touch as far as how he handles things. Yeah, I always look at like Phil Collin is kind of the guy I think that leads that a little bit more. Yeah, That's the way I always seen it. I mean, because like you look at what Phil Collin did with Tesla, where he produced their album and made them into Def Leppard. If you're doing that to Tesla, what do you do in your own band? Right. That's why Def Leppard sounds the way they do. That's why that Tesla album sucks so bad. Man, that was like one of the biggest like 
things I w- we were both stoked for, and then yeah. immediately we're like deflated. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no offense to Troy at all. Oh, so yeah, we're hanging out with Troy Lucetta, and he's like, You guys want to hear it? It hasn't even been released yet. And we're so excited. We just want to tell him, Dude, this is awesome. And then he plays, and I go, Ugh. <laughs> oh, I was like, What do we tell him? <laughs> I always, yeah, I always tell the story. It's like my, my brain and my heart are being ripped in half. It's like, Just tell him it's awesome. You know, he's a nice guy. You know, he's a rock legend. You know, just tell him it's awesome. And the other half of me is like, No, you got to tell him the truth. And so then I told him the truth, and I think he respected us for it because we didn't just be like, hey, this is awesome, when clearly it wasn't. I was like, this is a trap. Troy Lucchetta is trying to find out if we're real or not. <laughs> yeah, I think there was like mainly one guy in the band that was happy with that record, and it wasn't Troy. <laughs> no, uh-uh, that album sucked. Yeah. Their new live album's really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe they should have got Adrian Smith to produce it. Maybe. Probably would have been a lot better. A Tesla album that sounds like Maiden. Hey. <laughs> I'd rather hear that mix up than the other one. Yeah. But uh yeah, Adrian Smith and Def Leppard, uh I can't picture Adrian Smith plucking along to make love like a man. No. He'd be like, What? We're not doing this. Well, we're about midway through. You want to do your segment? Yeah, we can bust all my segment, take a look at the past, the present, and the future with Rockstar Birthdays, Rockstar Death Days, and albums to look forward to. So, let's start it off with the Rockstar Birthdays. I think, man, somehow, I don't know if it was Indianapolis or what happened, but I've had some kind of time skip with this stuff, where I think I got a little bit ahead of myself, but I guess last time I think we left off with Glenn Danzig, who was turning 68 on the 23rd, but I don't think we said happy birthday to Chris Holmes, also celebrating a birthday on the 23rd. Who's older? Both birthdays on the 23rd, Glenn Danzig or Chris Holmes? Who's the elder statesman of the two? It's got to be close. Um, I'll say Chris Holmes. No, actually, Danzig's got him beat by three years. Danzig, really? Yeah, Danzig turning 68, Chris Holmes turning 65 this year. Wow. Also a birthday on the 23rd, the youngster of that group, Chuck Billy from Testament, turning 61 this year. You know, I read something that we might see before the end of the year, a Chuck Billy solo album. Really? And from what I've kind of made from this is that it's not going to be like Testament. It might be more like a a straight-up hard rock album. I'd be interested in that. I'd be really interested in that. Should be pretty cool. We'll keep our eyes on that. If it comes up to be, then you'll hear about it in the albums to look forward to in the future. We're also supposed to get five Chris Gaines albums from Garth Brooks. Is that for real? That's for what he said he wants to do. <laughs> like like new albums or like yeah. old stuff that was new oh, stuff? I don't know. I didn't read that deeply oh. into a Garth Brooks Chris, Chris Gaines article. <laughs> I'll never forget that shit, man. So weird when you look back at it. But at the time, I was like, come on. Be awesome. Be awesome. You know, I was really hoping Chris Gaines was going to be like this hard rock thing. And that's not what it was. 
I give it I give it a A for ambition because oh, yeah. I thought it was a ballsy thing to do. Oh, totally. At the time when you're at your peak in country music, to be like, I'm going to reinvent myself. I'm going to change my name. I'm going to, you know, just change and I'm going to put out a rock album. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, but then he goes on SNL and he looks like an obese prince impersonator. It was weird. Yeah, man. See, now, if he would have put together, like, say, all right, I'm going to become this other persona and I'm going to be a a rocker now. So I'm going to go get George Lynch and I'm going to go get Vinnie Appice and I'm going to go get, you know, a really kick-ass bass player. I'm going to front a killer band. Now that would have been something. That's kind of what I was hoping for. The crazy thing is, is like he acted like he wanted it, it to be an anonymous thing, but he put out press releases saying Garth Brooks is Chris Gaines. It would have been cooler if he like didn't tell anybody and just released it without telling anybody it was him. Yeah, but then nobody would have known about it. Well, I'm just saying if you're gonna if you're gonna commit to the part, then go all the way with it. Right. But can you imagine the conversations he's having with like his manager and his team? Because at that time, he's one of the biggest music stars in the world. He's got to explain this to his business people. And they're probably going to be like, what the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) You need a new country album and another tour. You don't you can't do this. I'll bet it all started with a lunch with Sammy Hagar. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> all right. We're, that's all. We will not go back to it again. I promise. I'm sorry, George. Oh, man. All right. Celebrating a birthday on the 24th, his 76th, Mick Fleetwood. You've seen Mick Fleetwood live, haven't you? I did. I saw him do a drum solo on a bodysuit that had drum pads all over it including the crotch that that's awesome (laughs) (laughs) if nothing else he's innovative for sure speaking of another innovator celebrating his 80th birthday on the 24th the god of hellfire himself he's an old man now he's arthur brown that's awesome yeah gotta remember that guy i mean he really kind of set the stage for bands like kiss and alice cooper and you know pushing the envelope back in a time when you know that was to do stuff like that was just insane to be theatrical and kind of you know scary at the same time speaking of theatrical and a little scary happy birthday on the 24th to our awesome friend joshua toomey ah heck yeah man Good friend of ours for a long time. He just did a um, an episode of his new pod. He's in, got a new metal pod, and uh, it's John Wysocki from Stained guesting on and breaking down the entire Stained Breaking the Cycle album. Isn't that a cool concept for a podcast? So he went and found somebody that had their hand in the creation of an awesome album, and then he interviewed said person all about the making of that album? I know. I wish I had thought of that. That is awesome. That is, man. Josh Toomey, leading the way in podcasting, showing the rest of us how it's done. In all seriousness, congrats, Josh. <laughs> Do you like the new show? Just busting your balls. While we're stealing geek wire from Cobras and Fire. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We Cobras all and Fire stealing everything from us. And 
There's no originality in this stuff anymore. No, of course not. No, it's all good. Yeah, no, if you tried to say, well, they do albums unleashed, I can't do that. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I wish everyone did. All right, let's see. How much further can we go? Let's go up to the 25th, celebrating your birthday. Our good friend, longtime awesome supporter of this show, Brad Kalmanson. Happy birthday, wow. dude. Um, on the 26th, one of our one percenters, that's right, one of our very, very small, but very, very important contingency of lady listeners, happy birthday to Linda Neal, and we'll do one more. Here's an awesome chick. We met her at Rockin' Pod. She does, she's in podcasting, she's into rock and roll. She's been going through some health stuff lately, but... Everybody's been keeping up with her and cheering her on, and she seems like she's doing pretty good. Happy birthday on the 27th to Mary Holt. Mama Mary, happy birthday. That's right. So that's as far as we'll go this time, I think, because we'll pick back up on the 28th on the next time, I believe. So, yeah, I think that's good. Happy birthday, rock stars, each and every one of you. Okay, so people to celebrate, and now people to remember. This is where... The time jump happens because, man, I guess if you were really going to truly look at this week, like who you're supposed to remember, it's all people we already talked about somehow. So we'll just run them down real quick. On the 22nd, we're going to remember the passing in 2018 at the age of 54, the one and only Vinnie Paul. On the 26th, the guy that replaced Sebastian Bach in Skid Row. Back in 1999, appeared on four Skid Row albums all the way through 2015. Passed away in 2021 at the age of 55, Johnny Solinger. I think that guy was pretty highly underrated. Yeah. People don't look back at that middle section. They look at the original Skid Row and be like, man, that was awesome. And they look at what Skid Row is now, and they're pretty excited about it. And I think that middle era there with Johnny Solinger kind of gets forgotten because... I mean, let's face it, they weren't selling a lot of albums between 1999 and 2015. They're playing a lot of shows, though, all over the place. Yeah, he kind of has gotten lost in the shuffle when people talk about them. Yeah, it's too bad, because he was a hell of a singer, and I think he was a great fit. You know, if they were looking for somebody kind of like what they got now, somebody that could fill the shoes of Sebastian Bach and and fit the band, you know, personality-wise. So why that all fell apart at the end, I do not know. May have had something to do with his health. He died of uh, liver failure. So, yeah. yeah, I remember it wasn't real good for him at the end. Mm-mm. It's kind of a bummer. But check out some of that Skid Row Mark II, I guess. It's good stuff. We mentioned him earlier because we've yeah talked about him before. The Ox. John Entwistle passed away on the 27th back in 2002 at the age of 57. I know you've heard it before. Still drinking, still smoking, still doing drugs. Found dead in a hotel room with cocaine and a stripper while he's on tour with a Who in 2002. (laughs) It's not ice cream and cookies, but, you know, it is the ox. Should we have National John Ent Whistle Day and everyone gets a hooker and an eight ball <laughs> to celebrate? Oh, man, I don't know about all that. <laughs> We'd all be dead. Right, yeah. <laughs> They'd be reading our names. Somebody would have to come read our names right. next week on GeekWire. 
Uh, G.G. Allen, the insane punk rocker, died of a overdose at a party. That guy was a nut. Chris almost went and saw him. You guys remember that? I hate to rehash these, but we got to get back on track. We jumped ahead way too far, way too fast. So that's where I'm going to cut it off this time. And then we should be pretty close to being right back on track, I do believe, as we roll into July. Oh, before we get into albums to look forward to, while I'm thinking about it, because I haven't looked, and I don't want you to spoil it for me, but we've only got a short time left until July. And that means Christmas in July, well, it's still on the line. We need two more reviews or recommendations, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, on thepodchaser.com, or on Facebook. We'll take recommendations there. If you give them to us, we'll do Christmas in July. We need two more. So don't sit back and think, somebody else probably did it, because maybe not. And I'm telling you, if we only get one review next week, canceled with a K, it's over. <laughs> canceled with a K. Just to give you one last warning and one last chance for Christmas in July. I'm ready for it. I hope you guys are. Make it happen. So let's look at albums coming out. Not a whole lot this time. Kind of slow at the end of June here, rolling into July. A lot of... uh Looks like box sets and reissues mostly. Eric Clapton's got a thing coming out. It's called the De- the Definitive Twenty Four Nights. It's a big old box set of all kinds of live performances from the Royal Elpert Hall in London. So if you love you some Clapton, that seems pretty cool. The opposite of Clapton, well, that's Fear Factory. <laughs> <laughs> They're not never going to have a co-headlining tour. No, and you're probably never going to see Fear Factory at the Royal Elpert Hall either. I don't think so. They got some reissues coming out of their albums Mechanized and Reindustrialized. That's coming out on the 23rd also. This one I'm betting you're interested in. I know I am. Gary Moore on the 23rd has got a box set coming out called The Sanctuary Years. Yeah, I want to order it, but I'm... I'm trying not to blow too much money on albums lately. Yeah, because these big old box sets, they don't come cheap, do they? No, and I I would be breaking my rule. My rule is going to be there's only like five artists that I would buy box sets for, one of which is Thin Lizzy, which I do have a box set. Yeah. So he's he's kind of on the cusp of that, so it's, it's tempting. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it is one degree of Thin Lizzy, so I mean, uh, I got to get it. That holds no water with the wife, though. Right, yeah. <laughs> so I was trying to picture you <laughs> explaining that to her, how it all kind of ties together, and so therefore it's justified that I get this Gary Moore Sanctuary Years box set. <laughs> it ain't happening. And then I got one more this time. I don't know if you're familiar with this band. This is I, I feel like I should be checking them out because I really don't know a whole lot about them, but I'm betting some people listening to this show probably do. Jag Panzer. Has got a new album coming out called The Hollowed on the 23rd. You know anything about them? I've heard the name a bunch of times. I think they're like a German power metal band. No, could no. Be they're an American yeah. power metal band. Oh, okay. And that's really all I know about them. Well, I just know it. I remember a Jag Panzer was like a German, like a, like a war tank thing. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. But I was thinking, you know, they, they say all the best power metal comes from Germany. So it'd be interesting to check out an American band taking their shot at that genre 
So I might check me out some Jag Panzer when it comes out on the 23rd. And so We've never done an episode devoted to power metal. That's something to think about. Uh, we did our Deutsch rock. Yeah. Kraut rock or whatever we called it. Yeah. We did that one time. But yeah, I don't know enough about it. That's something you'd probably I'd have. <laughs> I need some heads up, some homework time for that, a little research. Right. But I think that's about it for this time around. Again, I'm still waiting on the Queens of the Stone Age. There was something. There was something else. Is it something I missed? Yeah, stupid King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. And oh, Slipknot came out with like a EP that was a surprise, I think. I didn't even hear it. Yeah, it's called Adderall. It came out on the ninth. It's called Adderall. It's called Adderall. That's the name. Okay. Yeah, that's the name of the EP. And I don't think it was like announced ahead of time. I think just one day it was there. That's why I missed that. That's kind of cool when a band does that, though. I think maybe an older band will put out an EP called uh, Viagra. Viagra, come on, Kiss, you can do it. One last go wrong. Maybe Aerosmith. That'd go with an EP. I still think ACDC's Let's Get It Up is the perfect song for their commercial. It totally is. I don't know why they haven't done it yet. Yeah, we still, that's another episode we always talk about doing. We never do is boner rock songs that would be great for like Viagra commercials. <laughs> boner rock. That's awesome. We still got a lot of cool stuff coming up. I think July is going to be pretty good to us as far as hard rock and metal new releases. I see some cool stuff on the horizon, and as we go along with this stuff, things get added all the time, you know, and I just discover things. But I've been really trying to buckle down on the research for this and try not to let anything slip past, but I'm certain I have. But I don't know what. So, a lot to keep up with. There you have it. Look to the future, the past, and the current. Now you know what's coming your way. You know who you got to remember this week. And you know who to celebrate by wishing a happy birthday to all our favorite rock stars. So there's the Camaro segment. What else we got? Well, uh, Mitch Malloy back in the news talking about how chaotic and exhausting his time in Great White was, but also saying he doesn't want to pile on and talk shit. Exhausting and chaotic? Yeah. Okay, I guess. Whatever. A lot of toothbrushing going on ahead of the show. (laughs) It's in the rider, damn it. It's supposed to be an oral B with the little scrubby head on it with the blue bristles. This is red. Unacceptable. He kind of says he he kind of meant his words kind of mix up here on uh, between a couple of interviews that he's quoted on in here, but saying that he doesn't want to talk smack and then he'll say it's too easy to talk about that stuff. Uh, I just prefer not to do it. And then he kind of goes and says, I wasn't happy. wasn't really fun anymore. And it was a lot of work, hard work. One of the hardest jobs I've ever had. People don't understand that because they see you on stage and see all this wonderful, the crowds there. They don't see what we had to do to get there. So it was a very difficult way to live, and I did not enjoy that aspect of it. Is he talking about riding on a bus? I guess. That's how they get around, I suppose. Okay. I mean, you know, we've said it before a million times. It's not about, you know, being up on the stage. They would do that for free. They would play their music to people that love it for free. You're paying them to create new music and also to go through the hassle of traveling around the world it's not 
the seeing of the awesome new places, it's the getting there that sucks. But, I mean, that's part of the gig. I mean, when you say, hey, Mitch, do you want to be the new lead singer of Great White? And you go, yes, I do. Then you got to know that that's, that comes along with it, you know, and that's part of the grind for a band like Great White. You know, they're they're out there grinding, you know, playing shows wherever they can get them. You know, I mentioned there's a bunch of new kick-ass albums coming our way to look forward to. Mm-hmm. There's also a Mitch Malloy album coming. <laughs> Heads up. <laughs> hey, wasn't he that guy in Great White? And Van Halen, I heard. I heard he gets asked that a lot. A lot. Yeah. Uh, Billy Corgan uh, made news when he was on Jose Mangan's podcast talking about when he was hanging out with Pantera back in the 90s and Metallica put the Load album out. And the guys in Pantera basically said, we don't, we love Metallica, but we don't get this. What the fuck are they doing? And Billy cut them off and said, shut the fuck up. You're Pantera, the greatest metal band in the world. Let Metallica figure it out for themselves. See, when I read that and when you read it and I picture it, I imagine Billy Corrigan standing there swaying back and forth. Like he is so wasted. And he's like, listen, you shut the fuck up about Metallica. (laughs) You guys. You guys are the metal kings of the world, fuckers. And they like shut up and drink another black tooth grin. <laughs> That's probably closer to accurate than the way I do. That's what I imagine. Like him, them all, they're just fucked up and they're bitching about Metallica. That's in here. <laughs> well, yeah, part of his quote is he says, and they all kind of looked at each other like, and they were like, okay, he's complimenting us. And then it was like, okay, drink this horrible poison, you fucking alternative weirdo. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and when they're handing it to you, you got to drink it. Well, the ultimate equalizer, if I'm in one of the guys in Pantera, which you can use in any argument, even if you're wrong, you just go, yeah, but still. <laughs> what? Oh, you could be completely wrong. You've lost the argument. You go, yeah, but still. People do that on Facebook all the time. Oh, okay. Um, so I mentioned earlier uh, pre-ordering uh, an album, and uh, we're going to talk about it now. Alice Cooper has announced details of the new album, Road, that was recorded with his touring band and features the single that has been released called I'm Alice. Before I give my take on this, I'm assuming you've heard the song by now. No. You haven't? No, I didn't know it was out. I didn't hear it. Oh, I thought you would have heard it. Already. Is there a release date on this album? Uh, August 25th. Okay. I'm going to add that to my list. Holy shit. And I I went with the Good Records Bundle. It's a a uh, record store in Dallas that has like hosted the original band to do live shows and stuff. It's they they do a lot of special stuff with Alice and they have like a, one particular package, vinyl package that I ordered that it's like colored vinyl. It comes with a DVD. It's got all the bells and whistles and wow. stuff. Cool. So then that answers the question that says Alice Cooper is one of your core bands that you will buy big sets deluxe style of. Yeah. I'm I'm still hoping one of these days we get like a blackout era box set. With all the crazy unreleased stuff. Yeah. But uh but my my review of the new song and it's it's actually the reviews for the new song have not been good. No um across the internet. Um I will say it's grown on me the more I've listened to it, but it also 
has me a little worried because, and also the track listings on this article, the, I think, and even the, the first single reminds me of Psycho Circus. Hmm. And not that that's a bad song, but it's like a lot of self-referential stuff. And I get the vibe that this is, it's a concept album based on being Alice Cooper on the road. Okay. All right. Which, well, some of the lyrics are kind of hokey, but then at the same time, he did hokey stuff going back to the seventies. So I think I'm going to like it overall, but the, the main thing, my main gripe on this record is there's several guests popping up on this one too. And I was hoping it was just going to be him and the band. That's what I thought it was. That's that's kind of the way it's been sold to us leading up to it. Who? Yeah, I don't. Who I don't are, like that. Like Tom Morello plays a solo on this, and um, a few other people are, are making appearances on this record. And it's like, just you don't need all these special guests. Just do a real Alice Cooper album. Yeah, if you want to get together with your buddies and jam, you know, go ahead and do that. But you know, give us the album that. I mean, because we've always said it, the band is so good, and they're all so talented, and Chuck Garrick's a great songwriter, and I've I've heard songs that didn't make the cut on other albums that Chuck and Alice had written together that were awesome. It's like, why isn't this on the album? But then it's, you know, got to make room for the original guys and my pals and, and all that, you know, but... I don't know. I guess just have to wait and see. I'm looking forward to it. I'm always excited whenever Alice Cooper comes out with new music. And hopefully the majority of it is just him and the core band. Well, it's got um, Morello is on. He co-wrote and played the solo on a song called White Line Frankenstein, (laughs) which is about a truck driver, but also a truck driver who's doing white lines is what they said. Um Buck Cherry's Keith Nelson and MC5's Wayne Kramer also co-wrote songs on this record, which is just like, at least have the band write the songs. Yeah, well, hopefully that's three out of, you know, 10 or 11 or 12. Yeah. Just have to wait and see, man. I don't know. I'm excited for it. I know that. Yeah. I mean, I've gone ahead and thrown my money down for it, so I better like it. Yeah. I'm going to have to check that out, man. I didn't even know that the new single was out already. And, well, and you'll get a vibe. Um, parts of the song remind me quite a bit of Elected. Okay. All right. I was going to say, you better be careful. And don't be trying to rip off Psycho Circus too much because, you know, Paul Stanley's just waiting, waiting to get his revenge for you suing <laughs> him over Psycho Circus. Yeah, but, but sue it, both suing over uh, songs that will not really get them any money. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to sue me for dreaming? Yeah, that'll never be released as a single. Have fun with that. <laughs> um, this was a big story uh, that hap- actually broke right after we did the last uh, Geek Wire, but I thought it made sense to cover it. Um, Hanoi rock singer Michael Monroe had a, quote, touching and wonderful encounter with members of Motley Crue at a Finnish festival with a, a cool photo leaked of of him and Vince Neil, you know, shaking hands and, and talking. Uh, did you see this story? I did, man. That is, is that the first time those two had ever met? It is. That's what he was saying in the post about it. Wow. Imagine the butterflies Vince has got to be feeling knowing that Michael Monroe is going to be there and it can go one of two ways. Well, and you know, up till a few years ago, Michael Monroe did not have very complimentary things to say about Vince or Motley Crue. He was still kind of holding a grudge about it. But I think uh, 
what I loved about it, I made a post on Facebook basically saying that, you know, I it, whatever my issues are with Motley Crue and Vince's vocals or whatever, it was still good to see this because all of for all of Vince's screw ups, uh, I do think he's tortured himself internally over that whole incident ever since it happened. And I, I think it was good to see those two kind of just shake hands and not, it, it doesn't, you know, lessen what happened with Razzle, but at the same time, they both have lives to lead and I hope, hope they both can move on from it. Right. And you know, it's not like Vince did it on purpose. That doesn't make it right. No, but I mean, it was a terrible mistake and he was young and you look at Vince Neil, and I know we, you know, we're known to pick on Vince Neil a little bit nowadays, but that guy's had a pretty tragic life. I mean, as far as, like, a rock star making a shit ton of money and traveling around the world and getting treated like a superstar can have a tragic life, that guy's had one. Yeah, and it's it was a, it was a sad situation and even in the the book the dirt uh you know Vince even admits that he doesn't think his punishment fit the crime or what happened and he i think he felt he got off easy like everyone else kind of did um hopefully he'll help, this will help both of them heal a bit yeah that's cool to see it though man it's it's good to see that even something like that you know, if you're you're in disagreement with somebody, I mean that grudge goes back a long ways. What's the guitar player's name in Hanoi Rocks? In Hanoi Rocks? Yeah. I, oh, I can't think the, of his name. Andy McCoy? Andy McCoy, the story about him going after John Karabi. Oh yeah. <laughs> going after John Karabi because somebody said, Oh, that guy was the lead singer of Motley Crue. I'll fucking kill him, you know? And the guy's <laughs> got a cane. You know, he's trying to swing his cane at John Karabi, and John Karabi's like I don't want to beat this guy up, but if you don't stop swinging that cane at me, there's going to be a problem. I'm not that guy. So, you know, he's still, Andy McCoy still holds a pretty hard grudge over all that. But Wow. Andy McCoy still, uh, his brain is still swimming in alcohol. Well, shit. No, it's cool, man. I, I like to see that, you know, a little forgiveness goes a long ways. And it's been so long. And like you said, I'm sure Vince... I mean, you never, I can't imagine doing something like that and ever really truly ever forgiving yourself when somebody Mm. else dies or somebody else gets hurt. Well, and also, uh, even aside from Razzle, you know, two other people, their lives were ruined. They were paralyzed. Yeah. You know, it's uh, that's a, that's a big burden. Not that it, you know, he, yeah, he gets to walk around and be a rock star and everything, but still, the burden of knowing what happened and you were the one driving, I mean, that would fuck with you for the rest of your life. Man, I would sure think so. Um, we got one last thing to cover this, this week. And, uh, it's kind of the whole, the hot topic of the day. Uh, and that's AI's use, uh, not only in entertainment, but in music in particular. Oh man, Um, this is crazy. I saw this article today and it's, Somebody created an AI version of Axl Rose and have him singing Velvet Revolvers Fall to Pieces, which, of course, is a song Axl never sang. And uh, it's really bizarre. And there are parts where you can obviously tell it's not Axl, but there are parts where it's like, damn, it straight up sounds like Axl yeah. singing this song. Yeah, when you sent it to me, I just kind of glanced at it and said, you know, Axl Rose singing Velvet Revolvers Fall to Pieces. Oh, that's weird. So I hit play and I'm not really looking at it. I look at it and go, okay, it's not a video. I'm just listening, listening. And I'm thinking, that's kind of cool, you know? And it's like, why? Why would Axel record this? 
And so I was like, I got to look, you know, so now I'm going to look and I hit the button that describes what it is. And then it says, you know, this is an AI reproduction of this song with Axl Rose singing. And I think, well, that's crazy because if you would have just played it for me and said, hey, have you ever heard this demo of Axl Rose singing Velvet Revolvers Fall to Pieces? Oh, yeah, he did it during the Chinese democracy sessions, or he, or he did it before he got back together with GNR to see if he could sing it or how it would sound. You'd believe it. There'd be no reason mm-hmm. not to believe it. You know, it's you say it's a demo version, so you can't expect it to be perfect. So you go, okay, I would have never thought nothing of it. And then that makes me think, you know, someday, maybe someday soon, people could come to me and be like, Hey man, there's a new Kiss demo that nobody's ever heard before, you know, or here's a song that was left off of Ace Frehley's 1978 solo album and try to pass off shit on you that's not real. Yep. Like I remember <laughs> I remember dial up and downloading off the uh the LimeWire. Remember the LimeWire? Oh, yeah. LimeWire, Napster, all kinds of those. Yeah. Like an Ace Frehley song that I'd never heard of before. I was like, "Holy shit." And it's taken hours for this thing to download. And I'm like doing other stuff and coming back and checking and going and doing something else and coming back and checking. I wait, 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 and wait, wait, wait. And then when I finally get it and I play it, it's not Ace Fraley at all. You know, I got some kind of rolled. I don't remember what it was, but it wasn't Ace Fraley. (laughs) This is kind of like that, you know, where you're going to be disappointed by things you think you're going to be excited about. Or maybe it'd be kind of cool. Like, what if Ace Fraley played on Crazy Nights? It, it, this stuff is it's accelerating at an uncomfortable speed. Uh, this is something that would be pretty much unheard of just a year ago. So it's kind yeah. of crazy how fast the stuff's taking over. And then on, you've got album covers that are being expanded out through AI technology. Um, it, it's exciting, but it's also a little nerve wracking at the same time. Yeah. I don't know. Forget artificial intelligence. I need some artificial body parts. I'm getting old. Help me with that. <laughs> Need a new liver. Don't be trying to. No, I'm talking about. You put. Give me a new spine. Give me some new legs. Some new arms. Make me young again. <laughs> I'm smart. <laughs> I'm as as smart as I want to be. <laughs> Just need to be strong. Well, that's all I got. We want to go out. Oh, that's and, weird. Uh, and play the a little bit of this uh, AI Axel version here. Yeah. So here it is. It's Axel Rose singing "Velvet Revolvers Fall to Pieces," but not really. It's artificial intelligence. Watch out. It's been a long years since you've been down. I've been a long ahead of going down. Falling pieces, I'm falling. Blown the pieces, and I'm still falling. Every time I'm falling down, all alone I fall to pieces. I 
But she could just know what memories feel lonely a champagne for the pieces of power for the pieces love still It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 